Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I want to look at biblical keys for overcoming shame. So many of us are bogged down by past mistakes and regrets and failures, and it's hindering our forward movement with Jesus Christ. Before we dive in, I wanted to let you know that there are still a few days left to register for our Spring Ellerslie Online Training Program. You can register for a donation of any size, and this is a great option if you have a desire to go deeper with Jesus Christ and become grounded in truth, but you're not able to travel to Colorado for one of our in-person trainings in 2021. Again, just a few more days to register. We'd love to have you join us for this powerful program, and you can go to ellerslie.com to learn more. We also have our Set Apart conference coming up the first weekend of June here in Colorado at our beautiful Ellerslie campus, or you can join us anywhere you are via simulcast. So go to setapartgirl.com to learn more about that conference. Let's dive in now to biblical keys for overcoming shame. As I have worked with women of every age and every season of life, I have found that it is so common for past mistakes and regrets and shame over things that have happened to us or things that have been done in our past to just really put a barrier between us and Jesus Christ. So I feel like it's so important when we're talking about growing closer to Him and building a powerful prayer life and all of the things that we've been talking about on this podcast lately, that we remove that spiritual hindrance. Now, in a previous episode, we did talk about receiving God's forgiveness and what that looks like, but I want to go a little deeper into really gaining spiritual freedom over that past baggage. It says in John 8, 36, that if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And that term free indeed literally means truly, literally no longer a slave. That is such an incredible promise, and it is our for the taking in Jesus Christ, but how do we really receive that freedom that he has promised to give us? One of the most powerful principles that I have found in my own life is to understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. So we are to embrace conviction, which comes from the loving Holy Spirit of God. So we are to embrace conviction, which comes from God's spirit, and we are to reject condemnation, which comes from the enemy. But a lot of us get those two things confused. When you think of God's conviction, what comes to your mind? Are you envisioning a harsh, angry, critical tyrant who only wants to condemn you and just rub your nose in all of your faults? Because a lot of us see God that way. So there's a whole movement in Christianity to reject conviction because so many of us confuse conviction with condemnation. So anytime maybe we hear a message that is a little bit convicting, it's easy to close it off and say, okay, well, I'm not going to listen to that because it's making me feel these uncomfortable feelings of guilt. But really that comes from not understanding the way that God corrects us. If you envision God as an angry, cruel tyrant who's just trying to make you feel like you're hopeless, then you're not really understanding who God is. When God convicts us, he does so as a loving, gentle, patient father who loves us so much that he wants to set us free from the sinful baggage that's weighing us down. So let's not confuse God's conviction with the enemy's condemnation because the two are very different. Here's the key truth. God's conviction is born in love with the desire to see restoration and renewal. It always has hope associated with it. It says in Proverbs 3.12 that whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he 
delights. So conviction is that gentle prick of discomfort upon our soul when God's spirit desires to cleanse something out of our lives. It's not a sign of God's disgust and anger towards us. It's a sign of his great love and his delight in us. And it is always paired with hope. It's a beautiful invitation to be made more like Jesus Christ and to enter into deeper fellowship with him. Now, in contrast, condemnation constantly questions God's love and causes us to focus only on ourselves and our fault instead of on our loving Savior and His mighty power to cleanse us and make us new. Condemnation has no hope or life associated with it. It gives the message that we are miserable failures and will never change. Think about the woman who was caught in adultery, where they dragged her to the feet of Jesus and they were ready to see what Jesus would do in response. When you look at the difference in how her accusers were treating her and how Jesus treated her, it's such a beautiful picture of the difference between the enemy's condemnation and God's conviction. Her accusers only saw her sin and offered her no hope for grace or for renewal. They just wanted to see her punished. But Jesus saw her, not her sin, but her, and he saw her as a precious life that he could redeem and renew. So think about the woman caught in adultery. Her accusers brought her to Jesus and they only saw her sin. They were focusing on what she had done wrong and they wanted to see her punished. They offered no hope for grace or for renewal or for restoration. Jesus approached it entirely differently. He saw her as a precious life that he could redeem and restore and renew. And so he rescued her from that awful punishment that her accusers wanted to bestow upon her. And he said to her, go and sin no more. But he didn't say this in a harsh, angry, condemning way. He said, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. So he was charging her to be free and to be cleansed from sinful bondage and baggage. But he was also giving her a hope and a future. Don't allow the enemy's condemnation to drown out that sweet sense of God's conviction in your inner life. Because again, conviction always comes with hope. When you hear the voice of accusation and hopelessness and condemnation whispering to your soul, you have the authority in Jesus Christ to refuse to listen to it, not to give it any credibility in your soul because condemnation never comes from God. But when you are responding to the gentle prick of God's conviction, it's important not to shy away from it because maybe you're afraid of feeling remorse over your sin. Instead, embrace it as a sign of his tender love for you and respond to it knowing that it's going to lead to amazing life and freedom. So again, reject condemnation because of the position that you have in Jesus Christ. You don't need to listen to the enemy's voice, but receive that hope-filled, tender conviction from the Spirit of God. That is one of the best ways to overcoming shame, to go forward with Jesus and allow him to purify you and cleanse you, but be totally separate from the enemy's hopeless condemnation that he tries to whisper in your ear. It's really important not to assign the enemy's character qualities to our relationship with God because the two are completely opposite. Secondly, understand what real repentance is. And we've talked about this in other podcasts, but it's so important to understand that repentance isn't just saying a prayer, God, forgive me. It's actually the the process of walking towards something bad, walking towards a cliff. Maybe someone warns you of the danger. Now, what should you do when you're warned of that danger? Should you just shrug it off and keep going? Or should you stop and acknowledge your fault and turn and walk the other way? One choice leads to death and the other to life. And that's the way it is with repentance. 
over sin. Once we recognize that we've been heading in the wrong direction, we need to immediately acknowledge our failure, to ask God to forgive us, and then by his enabling grace, turn and walk the other direction. Again, true repentance is not just saying the words, God, please forgive me. It's leaning on the supernatural strength of God to turn from our sin. So for example, if God convicts you of gossip, and you repent of that gossip, you don't just go right back and return to those old patterns. Or maybe it's laziness. You repent, you ask his forgiveness, and then by his grace, you go a different direction, the opposite direction from where you were headed. And true repentance actually brings about a true life change. It's not just saying a prayer, it's a change of direction. And that is only possible through the enabling grace of God. If you are carrying shame and baggage from the past, it's possible that you really are unsure whether God has truly forgiven you, that you haven't had a clear understanding of true repentance, or maybe you haven't understood the power of Christ in you, the hope of glory. So let God shine his searchlight into your soul, convict you of sin, wash you clean by the power of Jesus' blood, and then equip you with the enabling grace to repent and turn from your sin. Take some time to remain in the presence of God until you know that you have been made new in Jesus Christ and that you feel that grace, that strength that he is giving you to turn and go a different direction, not your strength, but his. I remember walking through a process when God was first really drawing me to an intimate relationship with him, where I had to really let him shine his searchlight into all of my past mistakes. It was really tempting for me to just want to cover them over with kind of a blanket and say, God, just forgive all of the things that I've ever done in my past. But he actually wanted to walk me through those things one by one, which was really painful. But when you understand that his desire isn't to just condemn, but to offer hope and restoration, it makes the process really beautiful. And God walked me through and just brought to the surface different things that I had done or allowed in my past, people I hadn't forgiven or things I had said or done that were not honoring to him, and just walked me through a process of repentance, of being cleansed and made new from those things, and by his grace turning and walking a completely different direction. He was not condemning me for those sins. He was inviting me to experience his forgiveness and his restoration. His love for me was so deep that he longed for me to remove everything that stood in the way of my ability to walk in intimate fellowship with him. It wasn't something that I walked through out of legalism, sort of this rule like, okay, I need to punish myself for all the things I've done in the past. It was a decision out of love responding to the love of Christ towards me and not wanting anything to stand in the way of my intimacy with him. It was kind of like the response of those believers in the book of Acts where it says that they were convicted over their fortune telling and their magic books and they brought them and burned them in the sight of everyone. And that was a very valuable thing to burn. But instead of selling them and trying to use the money, they burned them as a statement of saying, we are totally walking a new direction. As a direct result of these believers' obedience and repentance, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. It says that in Acts 19.20. That same principle really became true in my own life. As I responded to God's gentle conviction, I repented of my sins, I made things right with others, my relationship with him began to thrive like never before. His word became alive to me. My Christianity became real and life-changing. We so often want to shine away from that searchlight of God's spirit because maybe we're afraid it's going to lead to legalism or it's going to just make us feel more shame or more guilt. But when we do that process, when we walk through that process according to God's pattern, it actually brings incredible freedom and incredible life. 
I remember when one of my children was fairly young and we were walking through some repentance as a family, just making things right with each other. He commented to me afterwards that it felt like he had been carrying around a backpack full of heavy rocks. And once that backpack was removed, once he repented and made things right and allowed God to cleanse those things from his life, he felt like that backpack was gone. Often you'll find that when God brings conviction into your life, he asks you to go beyond just saying a prayer of repentance. He may actually lead you to take specific steps in order to make things right with others. Maybe if you've stolen something, God's asking you to return it or pay back what the other person lost. If you've been insensitive towards someone, maybe God's desiring you to ask that person's forgiveness for specific things that you've said or done. Even if it's hard to go to someone that you've wronged and make something right, there is just such amazing spiritual benefit that comes from responding to those steps of obedience. When you think about Zacchaeus, when Jesus met him and he came down from the tree and he wanted to make him his life right, he wanted to get right with God, and he, he responded to Jesus' forgiveness by saying that I'm going to restore fourfold anything that I have taken from someone by by false means, by extortion. And Jesus didn't look at that step as unnecessary or extreme. He said, today, salvation has come to this house. And so whatever God is asking you to do, even if it feels like, oh, is that really necessary? If you know it's something God's leading you to do, don't hesitate to respond because it leads to such abundant life. And another way to overcome shame, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, is to agree with God. It's so common to have this mentality that says, I know God can forgive me, but I just can't forgive myself. And again, what that statement is really saying is, I just can't seem to agree with God that I am forgiven. We need to remember that God hasn't asked us to forgive ourselves. He is the forgiver, and we are the receivers of his forgiveness. So our job isn't to let ourselves off the hook for past sins. It's to believe what he says. And that sounds very simple, but that's where a lot of us get tripped up. We try to punish ourselves for past sins, forgetting that Christ has already borne our punishment on the cross. If you have repented from past sin and asked to be made new, but you're still weighed down with regret and guilt over those past sins, God wants to show you that your prison door is unlocked. You don't need to stay in that prison anymore. You've been set free by his blood, and now you need to walk in that reality by God's grace. Really what it comes down to is understanding the word of God, looking at the amazing promises in scripture about God's complete and total forgiveness from those who repent and are covered by the blood of Jesus, and then choosing to agree, no matter what our emotions may say, no matter what our past experience says. One of the best ways to start walking in the reality of God's promises is to stop asking the question, how do I feel about my past sin? And instead ask, what does God say about my past sin? And he says, once we've repented, it's cast as far away from us as the East is from the West. So by his grace, we need to build our lives around that reality. Another important aspect of overcoming shame is to take back any ground that we've given to the enemy through past sins, past disobedience. If you have let sin and shame control you, oftentimes the enemy actually has a legal right to harass you, to wreak havoc in your spiritual life, to plague you with doubt and fear and anger and guilt. When you repent of past sins and you allow Christ to wash you clean, it's so crucial to take back the territory that you have given to the enemy. So I would encourage you to let God reveal to you any area in 
in which Satan may have gotten a foothold or a stronghold in your life. Once you repent and you're made new in that area, tell the enemy that he must go and then spiritually take back any ground that he has claimed. Then later, if he tries to harass you with guilt or shame or remorse or temptation toward those old habits, remind him that that territory now belongs to God and stand firmly upon the promises of the Bible, such as greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That's from 1 John 4, 4. Don't allow the enemy to push you around or weigh you down with past sins that have been already covered by the blood of Jesus. When you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you have the power to resist the enemy. And when you do, he must flee. So I hope this episode has been helpful in showing you the biblical keys to overcoming shame. The reality is that as children of the king, as daughters of the king, we don't have to be weighed down by past sin and regret and shame. We can be completely and totally, literally no longer a slave, free indeed by the grace of God. So if this is bogging you down, if your past is bogging you down, don't wait another moment before you go to the word of God and say, Lord, I want you to show me through your word what steps I need to walk through to reckon your word as true in this area of my life so that instead of being hindered by past sins and failures, I can run towards the goal that you have set before me. I can run into deeper intimacy with you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. To take these truths deeper, I encourage you to go to setapartgirl.com where we have loads of resources and articles on going deeper with Jesus Christ. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.